Hello, and welcome to the Am I a Bad Mom podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christy Ritz-King. I'm a trauma therapist and a maternal mental health specialist, and perhaps most importantly, a mom of three. I've met many incredible women over the years in the various careers that I've had, and seemingly no matter where they are along their motherhood journey, they are powerful, they are brave, they are incredibly successful in their lives, and no matter what, they all ask the same question at least one time. And that question is, am I a bad mom because fill in the blank? (laughs) There are any number of blanks to fill in there. And this podcast aims to provide you all the reasons why the answer to that question is unequivocally no. Every single time the answer is no, you are not a bad mom. And we're here to show you today exactly why. So welcome. We can't wait to help you feel better about the parent that you are. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Am I a Bad Mom podcast. So today we're talking about one of my favorite and also most frustrating topics, which is self-care. And I'm going to start with a little story, as I sometimes do, because it's sort of the impetus for why I decided to do this episode. Usually the episodes come from feedback from you guys. And inadvertently this is, but also something happened in my own life that I was like, oh, we got to talk about this. And It doesn't really seem like it has anything to do with self-care, but bear with me. So a few weeks back, the seasons changed, meaning sports seasons changed. And also my husband's job has required significantly more travel recently than it had in a while. And so sort of like Murphy's Law-ish, all of this stuff coalesced around us getting a new puppy, which requires a lot more diligence or not even diligence, but like attention on our part. You know, we had dogs, we have dogs, but you can, when they're grown, you can leave and go about your business and do your thing with dogs. When you have a puppy, there's a lot more like, we need to be on top of him. We need to be watching him. We need to be with him. We need to be whatever, training him. So all of this stuff happened at around the same time. And it was January and January for anybody who's not a therapist, we all therapists know January is like retail Christmas. (laughs) It is very busy in January, as you might imagine, as people come off of holiday seasons, as people go into the winter doldrums, as people come away from a lot of time with family. Shockingly, there's an increase in the need for therapy. So anyway, I'm digressing a little, but I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture that like things were chaotic in our house. We just sent two kids back to college earlier than anticipated. We had this new dog. We have my husband's schedule was sort of all out of whack and the seasons changed for sports. And I thought I had been on top of it. And, you know, it was all in my calendar and everything was there. And I knew when I was supposed to be where and a day came where I think what happened was the practice was earlier ending earlier than we were told in the beginning. And my kid texted and was like, hey, is anybody getting me? (laughs) Which, talk about am I a bad mom moment. Like you get a text from your kid that's like, remember me guys? I'm standing here in the cold outside of the bowling alley, wondering if anybody's picking me up. Anywho, I'm not even telling the story to tattletale on that part of me because we worked it out and we went and got him and whatever, it was fine. But I'm telling the story to tell you that like that then set off a string of other things. Because actually- it wasn't like, okay, we just went and got him and it was fine. It was like, oh my God, <laughs> he's there. My husband is en route. He wasn't even if, like, he wasn't going to get there. I wasn't going to get there in time. I had to move a client. I also had to move a meeting. I had to, like, it was this domino bang, 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 bang thing that happened because one piece of our routine was shifted a little bit. It was chaotic and off, like it threw us for a couple days. 
it threw me like my nervous system went straight into like protect mode and was like, okay, now I need to be hyper vigilant about every moment of every day of every schedule for the next week and a half. And then I finally was able to calm the heck down <laughs> and get back to my life. But A, isn't the worst feeling in the world when you think you have forgotten your kid. We did not, in fact, forget our kid. The practice ended earlier than we had on our calendar which was not our fault, actually. Coach was like, yeah, I said 5.30. It's not 5.30. It's 5. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It wasn't our fault. Still the worst feeling in the world to be like, oh my God, my number one job and I can't do it. You know, my kid is standing in the cold. By the way, they weren't. <laughs> they were standing inside the place with their coat on. It was fine. But that, you know, that hits at like the deepest part of what we're trying to do when you mess up your, when you mess up something with drop-offs and pickups of your kid. Not only does it hit at the deepest part of who we, you know, think we are and what we think we're supposed to get right, but also it then almost always inevitably causes this sort of domino effect of things that go wrong <laughs> as a result and then triggers even like your own reactions that send future things in the wrong direction too. So, how is this at all about self-care? Well, one thing I said in there is routine this thing knocked our routine, our very carefully crafted, clearly living on the edge routine, because one little thing sort of made a whole bunch of other stuff go wrong. So part of why routine is part of self-care is, I don't know if you remember, a few episodes back, maybe many episodes back, actually, we talked about the three R's of safety, routine, ritual, and relationships. And in crafting and creating those things to make yourself or help yourself feel safe and feel peaceful and feel comforted, you are taking care of yourself, quite frankly. So the three R's of safety, which originally started for something that I was teaching to teachers to help them understand how to have like trauma-informed classrooms, evolved into this three R's of self-care or three R's of, you know, the three R's of safety evolved into three R's of self-care because I realized like if we're going to do this for our students or our kids, we should be doing it for ourselves too. It also came out of originally way back in the day during COVID. I was like the height of COVID when we were all locked down. I was doing uh, some, you know, online sort of teaching, coaching around how do we take care of ourselves during this? I hate using this phrase, but it makes sense. This unprecedented time, like nobody knew what was going on. I mean, including myself, but I knew a little bit about mental health and self-care that I was able to kind of cobble together some slideshows and help people understand how to take care of themselves through that thing. And what we realized was the routines that we had in our lives prior to the changes, prior to the lockdown, prior to all of that stuff, we relied on them more than we realized, or we missed them more than we realized we would, including things like commuting, <laughs> something that maybe we didn't like in the beginning or didn't think we liked, when it was taken away from us, we realized, oh, that time I utilized for unwinding, cutting cords, decompressing, whatever it is. And I don't have that anymore. And I need to do that. Or my, I don't know, my daily meditation that happened when everybody left the house no longer could happen with everybody out of the house. I still could do it, but I didn't have the sort of peacefulness or that transition of, and I'm now talking about me, I didn't have the transition of, okay, I've done all the things I need to do up to this point in the morning and now everybody's gone so I can shift into how do I take care of me? Because anybody who has anyone else in the house, even if you're not a mom or a parent, if you live with someone else, there's this dance you do in the morning when you're each getting ready for where you need to be. 
And oftentimes you're not only thinking of yourself, you're, you know, considering the other person or other people, you're doing what you need to do for them. You're maybe getting out of the way for them, whatever it is, there's this dance that happens until you separate. And for me as mom, that included, let me wake up and do everything I need to do for everybody else. I need to make a lunch. I need to walk the dogs. I need to feed the dogs. I need to feed the children. <laughs> I need to make sure there's backpacks and forms signed and things put in there and all of that. And then they all left. And I had like an hour before I had to shift into the next mode of my day to be like, okay, let me take a deep breath. Let me sit for 15 minutes and drink this cacao and, and sip you know, and, and meditate, or let me literally just sit and stare into space. Like something that it was my turn to take care of me. I lost that in the pandemic because nobody left. <laughs> and so even though I wasn't taking care, quote unquote, of them anymore, there was not this time where it was like, okay, I can just focus on me right now because nobody else is here. I'm also, as somebody who sort of takes on the energy of other people, it was really hard for me when I was in a house all day long with people to not take on their energy all day long and feel somehow on some level like I was responsible for all of their energy. So that is uh, whatever that is, if it's neurodivergence, if it's, you know, my, my whatever, who knows what that is, but that is who I am. And so I missed that routine and realized okay, how do I get back that feeling? And and this was true for everybody that I worked with too. It was like, how do we get back the feeling or the thing that we re were doing during that time? We can't get the exact routine back because it's not going to work in this new way we're living. But how do we get the feeling back or the, the results back of that time? And that's where ritual comes in. So recognizing there were some things, there were some routines, there were some guaranteed things that happened. So how do I turn those into a ritual? And so a routine is exactly what you think it is, right? It's like this thing that happens all the time. It's a, it's a, there's an order to it. You follow that order, you get the thing done. It's predictable and consistent and all of those things. Ritual is you adding in something that makes it special. I always say that ritual is routine with a little bit of gl glitter. Like you just make it a little special. You make it a little sparkle. You make it something that, that you're intentionally recognizing feeds you. So routine isn't always intentional. Sometimes routine is just habit. We wake up, we brush our teeth. It's not an intentional practice, meaning we're not choosing to do it because we know it's going to make us feel better. Obviously, we choose to brush our teeth because we know it's good to brush our teeth, but we don't choose to brush our teeth because we get something out of it. You can ritualize toothbrushing, and I do that a lot with my clients. We have what, what I've talked about before on here called the one-minute toothbrush meditation, where you take that time, that routine, that built-in habit, and you add to it some intentional focus, some awareness that comes from, okay, I'm brushing my teeth. Either you're mindfully brushing your teeth or you're adding in an affirmation or something. I have my clients look in the mirror and talk about three things they're looking forward to. At night, I have them look in the mirror and talk about three things they're proud of. So there's an intentionality to that routine. And so we've turned toothbrushing into a ritual. For me, that morning meditation, it wasn't actually a ritual. <laughs> during the pre-COVID days, it was just routine. It was like, okay, everybody's gone. It was literally like an exhale. I would sit on the couch. I would sit at the kitchen counter. I would, you know, sometimes I would read or I would listen to a podcast or I would do something that like, okay, now I have time to do what I feel like doing. Let me catch up on the news or something like that. Or let me read the book I was reading last night and fell asleep to. It was 
me time, but it was actually not ritualized. It was just very much like, okay, here's 15 minutes. And sometimes it dragged on. And if I didn't have clients right away, sometimes I'd look up and two hours would have passed and I would have been sitting there like scrolling my phone or something very much not intentional. When the lockdown came and I couldn't do that anymore, I didn't have the freedom to just kind of like zone out. I got really, I got intentional about that space and time. I set up a little corner of my office with a cushion. I had a little candle that I lit. I made a cup of cacao instead of coffee, which I'll link to the type of cacao I use, but it's like ceremonial grade cacao. And so I I ritualized that, you know, I made it and I drank it with the meditation portion. I had a little playlist that I used. I had some tarot cards that I used, depending, like every day wasn't exactly the same, but it was this carved out time of like, I'm going into this office by myself, leave me alone. (laughs) And that stuck throughout that time. And even for like a year or so after everybody went back. And then I've noticed that now that we're sort of all, I don't want to say back to normal, because I'm not sure anybody ever went back to normal, but back to a much more busy and full routine, a daily routine, I lose that sometimes. If I'm not really purposeful about like, this is what I do now. And especially now that we have a puppy, (laughs) that morning, you know, again, I, I don't, there is no part of the day where I'm not taking care of something. So I've lost that ritualized morning time, that meditation time, that time that's my own. And I'm really desperately trying to get it back because I notice a difference in the way that I feel without it. And that's how it's self-care. So I said at the top of this, what one of the things I don't like about self-care is that it's thrown around as if it's one of two things. One, it's like luxurious, like self-care is a massage or a pedicure or I don't know, five hours on a golf course or something. That can be self-care. Hold on. We'll get to that in a minute. And all of those things can be self-care. Sure, they can, but they don't have to be. And they somehow insinuate that self-care is always comfortable and always desirable. And sometimes, so for me, I'm going to wrap myself out here. Self-care is movement and exercise of which I hate both. I don't hate movement. I hate exercise. I hate working out, quote unquote. I don't have any motivation to do it. I don't really, uh, that's not true. I like it when it's over. Like I like how I feel when it's over. So I know intellectually that it's good for me, but I never have that like bodily feeling of like, oh, can't wait to go for a run. Can't wait. Even when I was running regularly, I was running because I knew how I'd feel afterward. I never was one of those people that really loved the exercise part of it. So no, even though I know movement and, and exercise is so good for me, I don't like it. And so in that case, self-care is not desirable. It's not something that I'm looking forward to or want to do. So that's one part of self-care is I think it's like kind of misunderstood as this thing that like, like you only get to do it if you have time and money to do these fancy things. And that's not true or it shouldn't be true. (laughs) Anyway, I think oftentimes self-care is linked to time and money, but that's a podcast for another day. For our purposes today, we're going to define it as something that we all should be and can do in various ways. On the should part though, the other thing I don't love about the way self-care is portrayed in the world is there's like a shaming aspect to it. (laughs) So like if you're not doing it or if anything feels wrong with you, well, maybe it's because you're not practicing self-care. And there are a million reasons why something might be wrong with you and it has nothing to do with your own self-care practices sometimes. And so I don't love the shame that sometimes comes along with self-care. And when I say this, mostly what I mean is like on social media, which is where, you know, half the things come or like some of these self-help podcasts that are like 
do it this way, like an ultra marathoner, <laughs> or what's wrong with you? <laughs> like that's no, don't love that either. So again, for this podcast, for our purposes, self care is what rituals and routines and relationships do you have in your life that help you not only feel good, but renew your energy or fill you up. And so that could be something as small as saying something nice to yourself in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, or intentionally choosing to focus on what you're proud of that day instead of all the crap that happened to you at work. It's little shifts like that. It can be little shifts like that, that then help you to do this sort of bigger stuff, like make sure you get all your doctor's appointments in, make sure you take medicine when you need to, make sure you're resting when you need to. And this is kind of where we get into that area of maybe self-care is linked to time and money because, you know, somebody who's working three jobs and I tell them you need to rest, that's going to feel like a kick at the pants. That's not my intention. And so I want to recognize like, this is not available in the same way to everybody at all times. I think if you focus on ritual, routine and relationships, everybody can find that for themselves in a way that is accessible, no matter what their circumstances. And so you might not have 30 minutes in the morning to sit and enjoy a cup of warm beverage, but you might choose the bus ride to listen to something soothing on your phone or call a friend in that 20 minutes you have on the bus or 30 minutes or hour and a half if you live where I live that you have on the bus to get to work. Maybe you call a friend, maybe you call your mom, maybe you call your kid, wake them up, make them talk to you. Those are the things that are rituals and routines. Those that to turn a routine, to turn your routine commute into a ritual, what's the intention behind it? How can you add something into that routine to give yourself, to feed yourself, to renew yourself, to give yourself that care that happens? I didn't even realize I was doing it, but one of the things I do when I go and get a mammogram, which is self care in and of itself, but also sucks, it's one of those self care things that stinks. Like no one likes doing it. It's not comfortable. It's actually wildly uncomfortable. And I had a really complicated and ugly relationship with female doctors for a long time. So it felt even more intrusive and annoying. Doctors of the female anatomy, not female doctors. <laughs> Sorry, I should have been more clear. GYNs, GPs who were supposed to help me with things. I just had a really ugly medical care relationship for many years. And so mammograms felt even more awful because it just didn't feel like I was cared for very much in the setting. Anyway, uh, I won't go down that road. But one of the things I did, I would always schedule it in when I didn't have a lot of other work clients so that I could take myself to lunch. Silly. And you know, I'm sure there's a million people out there who are going to tell me don't reward yourself with food. But it was gave me something to look forward to. Like, oh, I'm going to go get this sort of special treat, or I'm going to have another 30 minutes of downtime after this appointment, for which I can just enjoy this meal. Another intentionality thing is enjoying the meal, you know, not eating like standing in, in or eat, sitting in your car or standing at your kitchen counter or, you know, in between things. And again, I recognize this isn't possible all the time, but if there's one meal a week, you can ritualize for yourself. You can sit and do something that's calming and peaceful, play music or sit in the sunshine or, you know, make yourself something really delicious or instead of, you know, the yogurt cup that you grab out, like actually take some time and I don't know, poach an egg or something like, you know, give yourself a little bit of ritual around the lunch. If you work in an office, you know, one day a week, buy yourself something nice for lunch if you can, or 
bring something really nice for lunch. Leftover dinner sometimes is great for lunch the next day because it feels like a treat. So just looking for ways to not only establish routines, because maybe you don't even have those, maybe you feel like you're just constantly reacting during your day, but how can you look at your day and establish some things that are predictable and consistent? And then how can you ritualize some of those too, so that they are actually renewing to you and not just something you're doing because it's supposed to be done during the day? The relationships piece is the third R. And again, it's not meant to feel shaming or like a should. Really what I talk about when I talk about relationships and safety is take a look at yours and which ones feel safe, which ones feel easy, which ones feel like you can show up exactly as you are and not have to worry about managing anybody else's emotions or managing anybody else's expectations of you or any of that. And then how do you get more of that in your life? Because let's be clear, not every, how do I say this in a way that doesn't sound super mean, but like we have relationships in our lives that aren't renewing and that aren't easy and that aren't, we can't show up as ourselves or we can't never worry about everybody else's feelings in that way. And and that sounds really selfish. And I don't mean like you never worry about anybody's feelings, but I mean, uh, like I said before about myself, if you feel like you're needing to manage the energy of all of these people or you're the way you show up, you're responsible for the energy of these people, that is not a renewing relationship. And we're going to have some of those in our lives, whether we like it or not. So rather than sort of bemoan that fact or wish away that relationship, how do we find the other, how do we find more of the other ones to counterbalance, to add that renewal and, and newness back into our lives? the ease back into our lives. So if you have people that, you know, maybe coworkers or family or whatever that you spend time with that, you know, are like they, they pull from you. Well, self-care then is finding, okay, who adds to me and where can I, how can I spend more time with them? And this isn't even like a give and take thing. This isn't like I need friends in my life who just give, give, give. That's not necessarily true. It's more like who can I wear pajamas to their house and have a cup of coffee with in the morning or in the in the evening when we're both so exhausted, we don't actually feel like doing anything. Is there somebody that I can either FaceTime with or lives close enough that I can show up exactly as I am and we'll just sit and talk and laugh together? Like that's what I mean by easy. You don't have to be anything different. You don't have to show up in any different way. You don't have to worry about taking care of them just in the way you present yourself. Who are those folks in your life and how do you get more of that into your life? That's a form of self-care. Those strong and safe relationships are a form of taking care of yourself, getting those in your life more. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, had a birthday and a group of friends that I've known since I lived here where my kids, where I raised my kids, I've known through school and through everything else, reached out and said, like, this is a big birthday. We want to do something for you. How does this sound? And they mentioned brunch and then bowling. And I thought, I don't know if that was on purpose. Like, I don't know if they know me that well, but that's my language. Like they were speaking my language. First of all, brunch, there's nothing I love more. (laughs) I love breakfast food. I love brunch because it's a little later. I don't love mornings, but I love morning food. And I love what could be better brunch and then bowling. Like I had just said to my husband a few months back, I want to do more things that were fun for me as a kid. Like I need that more in my life. We have time now. Our kids are grown. We need to go like, do play more. I want to go play. I don't want to go work out because I'm supposed to work out. Like I want, but I want to go play. 
And I was like, I want to join a bowling league. <laughs> like my my mom as a kid, my mom and my sister actually bowled in a bowling league. I, I always joked that I was raised by the bowling alley because we spent every Thursday night there for as long as I can remember. I was like, I'm looking for that kind of camaraderie. She had this like group of friends that she, you know, saw every Thursday night and it seemed great fun when I was a kid. So whatever, long story. I'm turning a long, long story into a longer story by telling you like they reached out and said this thing to me that I was like, are you kidding? Yes, I would love nothing more than to go to brunch with you guys and then go bowling afterward. And the original plan was to go to this like cool, like, you know, hipstery bowling alley near where we were going to have brunch. As it turns out, it's so cool that we weren't going to get in for like three hours. So we didn't go to that one. We went to like a just traditional bowling alley and I was terrible. It looked as if I had never bowled before. It was, hum- well, I won't, it wasn't humiliating. I actually didn't care. It was one of the beautiful things about being 50. They kept trying to give me tips and I was like, you guys, you don't understand. I know how to bowl. Like, <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but I know how to bowl. I think I'm doing what you're telling me to do. And my body's just not moving the way that it's supposed to move. So the game itself was rather comical in how I played, but I had a blast. It was just the most fun. It was easy. I showed up exactly as I am, bowled like eight straight zeros. And we just laughed and had a good time and were silly and it was fun. And those are easy people to be around. And those are renewed. Like, I will live on that now for, you know, weeks, weeks, like that kind of energy dump into me, like that fed me now for a good long way to go. That's self-care. And I'm not saying that, you know, in order to take care of yourself, you have to have someone plan an elaborate birthday for you. (laughs) But I'm saying like, find the people that do that for you and spend more time with them. Make an effort to spend more time with them. So rituals, routines, we all have them. Maybe take a step back and look and see what yours are. Again, I didn't realize that I had this sort of morning routine until it was taken away from me. And a lot of my clients and a lot of the people I worked with, they didn't realize how much they relied on their commute until it was taken away from them. I worked with a lot of people in New York City, the worst of the worst during the pandemic, who didn't recognize how much, let me see, how do I put this? Because obviously they knew how small their apartments were, but I think they didn't recognize how much time they spent outdoors until they weren't allowed to go outside. And remember, they were not locked down like the rest of us in the suburbs were locked down where we could go for a walk or we could stand in our backyard or we could sit in the sun. They were locked down. They could not leave those high rises. They could not step out on the sidewalk. If they did, it was at some points during that feeling like you were taking your life in your hands. It was just a really eye-opening time for a lot of people, for what they had in their lives that they didn't realize they even really had in their lives. And so, you know, we figured like, okay, we got to buy some plants. (laughs) We got to get some plants. We got to sit you in the window more. Like we, we rearranged some desks. We put some desks in front of windows. Like we, we did a lot of how do we bring the outside in, even if it's cold, can we open a window? Can we get some fresh air in the apartment? Can you, you know, walk down to the front door of the building and just step outside for a few minutes and breathe deep and then walk back in again? But, you know, a lot of that felt scary in the beginning. So it was like, how do we get what we feel like we're missing in our lives again? And the point of telling you that is to say, like, a lot of people didn't even realize what their routines were until they were taken away or how much they had ritualized those routines or relied on something apart about those routines to feed them. And certainly we all got a chance to witness how important relationships are during that time. And so 
I think I have a challenge for you guys. I think this is a bit of a challenge. How are you turning your, what are your routines first? How are you turning any of those routines into rituals? Or can you turn any of those routines into rituals that help renew and restore you? And what are the relationships in your lives that feel safe and renewing and feeding of you and your energy? And how do you get more of that in your life? And that's self-care. Self-care is how do you create a world where you feel safe, where you feel your energy renewed, where you can get back some of the things you've poured out? How, what are the things you need to do in order to do that? It's going to look different for everybody. And there is no should about it. So there is no shame then in what you do or don't do. That's all I got, friends. Some the three R's of self-care and how you can find them in your lives. Stay tuned for the me time segment. I have some interesting things that I kind of alluded to, but also, uh, you know, you never know. I might come up with something even extra fun. <laughs> Stay tuned. Hey, listener. If you appreciate what you get here as far as support and camaraderie and feeling like you're not alone, then I think you should really check out the Women of Wonder community that I run. It is exactly that. <laughs> it is a community full of support and camaraderie and you are not aloneness. It is meant to replace the old fashioned Facebook groups that we used to love before it got so mean and snarky and Facebooky. It is a place where you can ask the questions you have, where you can share the joys and share the sorrows and expect a supportive response, non-judgmental response. We meet weekly via Zoom. So we have people from all over the world that come and join us. And there are other supports like newsletters and uh, message boards and all of the things that you can and want and need in your life to provide you that support and scaffolding to help do this job we call motherhood. Check it out on my website, wonderinkwellness.com. It's called the Women of Wonder Community. And you can sign up today and get two months free if you do a year subscription. If you have any questions, again, always send me an email, but I would love to see you inside. Okay, welcome back to me time. I want to talk to you this time about some of the things I use to ritualize that morning routine of mine. I usually, if you're watching the video, I usually show you all this stuff, but I don't have most of it here with me right now. A couple things I'll point to in my office, but a lot of it is actually in my, my other office. It's not in my home office, so I don't have it for you, but I will talk about it and I will link to it all. So the first thing I talked about, cacao, and some of you guys might be like, what is that other than a weird safe word from a funny comedy show, uh, Portlandia, <laughs> which if you know what that is, if that reference lands for you, you're my people. <laughs> if you recognize the cacao reference from Portlandia, you're my people. If you don't look it up, it's hilarious. Anyway, what it is, it is a, it is what it is. I mean, cacao, it's the chocolate bean, you know, it's from the chocolate bean, but it's, it's ritualized and used often as like, um, almost like a medicinal thing in some rituals, Native American rituals, Native South American rituals, things like that. I learned about it from, ooh, where, hmm, who knows? I honestly don't remember the origin of where I learned about it, but I know that I was working with a coach who works with, so I was working with a coach who has a good friend <laughs> who works with a Native American like dream interpreter. I don't know what else to call him, Minari. And they in one of our retreats that we went on, we did a cacao ceremony and, and it was lovely. And I found this cacao from her, the coach, her name's Robin Euclid. You can look her up. She told me about this cacao junipu and I love it. It's from, I think Ecuador. 
I'm not totally sure though. I'll put it in the link and then you'll know. And it's, you know, hand it, it's made down there and then they ship it to you and it comes in a sweet, well, it doesn't anymore. It used to come in a sweet little like bag from actually I have a thousand of those. Hold on a second. These used to come in a sweet little bag like this. It doesn't anymore. You have to buy these separate, but um, it came in one of these and I just, I would make it in the morning, sit, light a candle, put some music on my iPhone and do some meditation. Also during that time, I would sometimes pull cards. I'm going to see what's in this bag. It's like a mystery bag. Oh, these are, these are tarot. Actually, these are the body tarot that I have already talked about on the show once. So you can see, but I would, you know, that's, that's how I turned it into a ritual. I would pull a card. I would write a little journal entry. I would have, you know, music. I would light a candle, things like that. I have the candle back here. I'll show you in a sec. Oh, I have two of them actually. So this is one of them. And this is actually from a, um, a store in town called Earth Spirits. And it's, I think this one is like a prosperity. I don't know. Each color has a different thing. And I'll be honest, I buy them for that reason, but I don't have a whole lot of stock in that. But sometimes it does help. Like there's one for happiness or joy. And I tend to burn the happiness and joy ones in the dead of winter because they're like yellow and orange and, you know, exciting colors. This is just a beeswax candle that I also will light. But just to show you, like I have these around, I light these, I pull a card, I listen to some music, I drink my cacao. And then at the end, another thing, Jess, who is the woman that did the cacao ceremony with us, kind of taught us like to give it back to the earth as like an offering to the earth. Here's, I'm getting real woo on you guys here. This is not something you're used to probably for me, but I usually take the end. There's like a little sip left at the end and pour it into, I have like a herb planter outside that I feed with my cacao. So there you go. I'm revealing a lot about myself today. So yeah, I use the cacao. I'll link to that. I pull a tarot card. I'll link to those two. We've talked about them here before about like mugs. I have mugs as something that I ritualize because I do. I have I have a few specific ones. Like I'm drinking from one right now, if you're watching, but I'll show you. It's my old college and a beautiful building on campus. That's not one of the ones that I use for cacao because I have two like clay mugs that just feel more, you know, earthy and grounded and that kind of thing that I use specifically for that though that morning ritual time just because it feels that way it feels more grounded and and connected to me to use those mugs so I'm not going to link to those because they were like at some handcrafted store in West Virginia <laughs> but and actually I think one of them is like a yeah it is it's like a souvenir mug from Florida it just happens to be a pottery one so it's not like it's anything super special it just feels it's heavy in my hands and feels nice those are all things, again, chosen with intention after reflecting on, okay, what feels good in this moment? What do, what's helping me to kind of complete this and feel renewed afterward instead of just like zoned out like I was before? Those are examples of how I make a regular routine, a, a ritual, you know, I add some things to it that help me to feel grounded in and energized through it. In the winter, I use a, a light, light therapy light. So, you know, there's just different things. So, so it's, it's ritualized differently as the seasons go. And almost sometimes depending on my mood, do I feel like pulling a card? Do I not feel like pulling a card? Do I need an actual guided meditation? And then I pull an app up or can I just play a song and kind of tune in and do my own thing? So it's sort of like, let me check in with myself. What do I need today? And let me do that. Sometimes it's coffee, not cacao because I need the coffee like, or I don't have time for both. And so I need the coffee to get me going in the morning. And that's what I use instead. All right, that's all I got today for me time was how to turn a routine into a ritual and the things I use for that. So I will link those in the show notes and we'll be back next week with a little bit more. Thanks for listening. 
Thanks so much for listening. I hope you heard something today that made you feel better about your parenting and about yourself. Remember, if you have a moment, we would love a review. It helps more people to hear about us. If you like the episode, share it with your friends. And of course, subscribe so that you know when it's going to drop every single week. Thanks again. Until next time, keep asking those same questions and know that the answer to am I a bad mom is always no. Thank you.